men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. Grab. No, I don't like to eat between meals. <sighs> I'll roll down the window. Faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I vary it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman, and it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? Are you comfortable? Sure. I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. One thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing. Make a long story short. We did it. They did it. You challenged me. I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. And I'm gonna be 40. When? Something. In eight years. It's not the same for men. Charlie Chaplin had babies when he was 73. Yeah, but he was too old to pick them up. Testing, testing, testing. Testing. <clears throat> One, two, three. Trent is editing this, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. That makes me so self-conscious for some reason. Oh, I sh- I, he's not. I'm editing this. <laughs> oh, okay. Thanks. Is it really? Um, we'll see. Depends. <laughs> Depends on what. If he can do it in time. Yeah. Well, let's not antagonize him. <laughs> Welcome back. To- Wait, no. Did he have to clap yeah. or something? Well, that's only for syncing. Oh, there's two different yeah. people. There's only one person. I, I wonder if I wonder if to Um. <laughs> so, Sophia, good to see you. Good to see you too, Parth. Um, Trent is not here. Where is he? Off in the ether or something. But you're here right in front of me. Actually like six inches away from me because we're recording on the same microphone. I would guess we might even be closer than six inches together. But all that has got me wondering what you've been eating most recently. Well, technically most recently I ate a Twix bar. Wow. Well, most recently I had some of your leftovers. You see, earlier today um, my parents took us out to see Patan, the... um, Shah Rukh Khan movie for all you Bollywood lovers out there. And afterwards, they took us out to a classic On the Border for some lunch. And Sophia ordered a quesadilla, and we had uh, some of that for dinner tonight. It was delicious. Yeah, and what's even more delicious is this episode we have planned for you guys. Um, It's been in the oven cooking. And so is this intro. So why don't we cue it? You want to say cue the intro? Cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week we're talking about... When Harry Met Sally. 
And with us, uh, we have... Hi, everyone. I am Sophia Alexis, loyal friend of the show. Yeah. Um, Sophia Alexis, my gal pal, um, has joined us for our discussion. Um, Go check out our interview with First Assistant Director Aaron Barsky, uh, two-parter, two episodes there for you to listen to. And even before that... We have the cinematographer of 10 Things I Hate About You, as well as a discussion with Trent Algary, usual co-host of this show, and his gal pal, um, his compadre, his female compadre, if you will. Um, but this week, it's not about Trent, nor any of his female compadres. It's about me and mine. Um, so we're here to talk about When Harry Met Sally. And, and round out the month of love brought and, to you by yours truly sophia alexis <laughs> yeah bro, this is this whole 10 things i hate about you when harry met sally thing was uh sophia's idea she said that uh trent and i should have our uh people on the show close friends close friends we'll get into that so sophia time for a 10 word synopsis oh god don't read what's here just give me a 10 word synopsis of the film. Friends meet several times and fall in love. Wow. On just what? Eight word? Mm-hmm. Eight word synopsis. But the real one from IMDb is Harry and Sally have known each other for years and are very good friends, but they fear sex would ruin the relationship. Nope. Would ruin the friendship. A friendship is a relationship. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so you uh, I was going to say, is what Trent and I have a relationship, but our friendship has gone long ago. Um, budget and box office, does that exist? Yeah, it's looking like the budget for this movie was $16 million and box office was $92.8 million. Wow. Now, if you don't mind, I'll just be taking over for production history. Yeah, please. So in 1984, director Rob Reiner, producer Andy Scheinman, and writer Nora Ephron met over lunch at the Russian Tea Room in New York City to develop a project. Reiner pitched an idea for a film that Ephron rejected. The second meeting transformed into a long discussion about Reiner and Scheinman's lives as single men. The next time they all met, Reiner said that he wanted to do a film about two people who become friends and do not have sex because they know it would ruin their relationship but then end up having sex anyways. Efron liked the idea, and Reiner acquired a deal at a studio. Efron interviewed Reiner and Scheinman about their lives, creating the basis for Harry. Reiner was constantly depressed and pessimistic yet funny, and Efron got bits of dialogue that's in the movie from these interviews. Sally was based on Efron and some of her friends. She worked on several drafts over the years while Reiner went on to make Stand By Me and The Princess Bride. Tom Hanks, Richard Dreyfuss, Michael Keaton, and Albert Brooks were all offered the role of Harry Burns, but all of them turned it down, with Brooks feeling the movie was too reminiscent of Woody Allen's work. Okay. Fuck you. (laughs) Billy Crystal was Reiner's best friend at the time and witnessed Reiner's tumultuous divorce from Penny Marshall. During the screenwriting process, when Efron did not feel like writing, she would interview people who worked for the production company. Some of the interviews appeared in the film as interludes between certain scenes featuring couples talking about how they met, although this material was rewritten and reshot with actors. We talk about this a little bit with Aaron Barsky, guys. Efron 
supplied the structure of the film with much of the dialogue based on the real-life friendship between Reiner and Crystal. For example, in the scene where Sally and Harry appear on a split screen talking on a telephone while watching their respective television sets channel surfing, uh, this was something that Crystal and Reiner did every night. It's so sweet. Yeah. Originally, Efron wanted to call the film How They Met and went through several different titles. Reiner started a contest with the crew while filming. Whoever could come up with a title won a case of champagne. In order to get into the lonely mindset of Harry when he was divorced and single, Crystal stayed by himself in a separate room from the cast and crew while they were shooting in Manhattan. The script initially ended with Harry and Sally remaining friends and not pursuing a romantic relationship because she felt that this was the true ending, as did Reiner. However, they eventually realized that the more appropriate ending would be for them to marry. When Harry Met Sally was released on July 14th, 1989. Sophia, do you have any fun facts for me? Oh, do I have fun facts? All right. So the iconic orgasm scene was filmed at Katz's Deli, an actual restaurant on New York's East Houston Street. The table at which the scene was filmed now has a plaque on it that reads, Where Harry Met Sally. Hope you have what she had. Billy Crystal ad-libbed, but I would be proud to partake in your pecan pie. Meg Ryan laughed and looked to her right where director Rob Reiner silently prompted her to go with it. Sally being a pecky eater was based on Nora Ephron. Years after the movie came out, when Ephron was on a plane, ordered something very precise, the stewardess looked at her and said, have you ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally? Hilarious. <laughs> the off-camera voice that says, hey, everybody, 10 seconds until New Year is director Rob Reiner. Harry is shown reading Stephen King's Misery. The film adaptation would be the next movie directed by Rob Reiner. Harry and Sally's final interview at the end of the film was completely improvised. That's very sweet. And screenwriter Nora Ephron was pleased with how the film turned out, but was unhappy with its title. She said it was the one thing she would go back and fix if she could. Bad take. <laughs> and now we get on to Trent's uh, creation on the show, the one-star review. Sophia, do you want to read the first one or should I? You can go for it, Parth. So this one is from Heidi Heath. And it reads, not so clean. And the review reads, not so clean. Brutal, Heidi. Yeah, but I don't really, like, I guess there's language, but um, sure. Um, the next one we have here is from A Anonymous. Interesting. Their review reads, might have liked it if I was 16. And the review itself says, was expecting an adult drama on a serious subject. This was an unfunny farce. Save your time and your money. Brutal. Now, this one I don't really understand. What are they talking about with the serious subject? Like, I feel like it's so blatantly a rom-com, and that's exactly what it ends up being. Yeah. And I wouldn't even say it's a farcical rom-com. It's not making fun of rom-coms. It just is one. Yeah, and I think that it's also very clearly about adults. I don't know why this would be more interesting I feel like, to a 16-year-old. I feel like it would be less interesting, like significantly less interesting to a 16-year-old. Yeah. Though maybe not that much less interesting to an 18-year-old, as we'll get into. Uh, this one is from M.M., and it says, Movie kept going after TV was turned off, dot, dot, dot. Nothing against the movie, but I turned the TV off to respond to a fire call. Apparently the movie kept going? Has this happened to anyone else? Never even got to watch it. So this one, um, I don't know what's going on here. I don't really know what this means. <laughs> Why couldn't you rewind it? Like, is this, does this, was it playing on TV and they were like sad that the movie kept playing or did they like rent it from Amazon 
In which case, I think you have 24 or 48 yeah, you can, hours. And if this is a DVD, I mean, really, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, but that's M.M., and uh, we hope he's okay. He or she. We hope they are okay. But um, you know what else is okay? What? This movie. Just okay? This movie is pretty great, actually. Um, this is now where we get into the what's working and what's not working section, or as we like to call it on the When Harry Met Sally episode, what's working. And what's working. Yeah. Um, Sophia, you're the guest on this show. Do you, uh, uh, we teased this previously to be the most romantic episode of When Harry Met Sally to ever be released. So uh, do you want, uh, how do you want to take this? The most romantic episode of When Harry Met Sally. Oh, of Craft (laughs) Services ever released, I mean. Um, uh, how do you want to go about this? Do we want to talk about our opinions on the film or our relation to the film first? Uh, you're the guest. It's up to you. Which do you think would would lend to a more interesting... Trent, can you add the Jeopardy music while we decide? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, this is a relationship. Okay. All right. That works for me. All right, Trent, um, edit us us back in at this point. Well, we've made a decision, and we're going to talk about our own personal um, connection to this movie. Just because I feel like that's why we wanted to do this in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So who wants to go first, me or you? I feel like this story begins sort of in your court. Oh, yeah. In the way that the movie entered our lives. Oh, fair enough. Um, So at the tender age of 18, Parth Marate and Sophia Alexis had graduated high school. Sophia Alexis had recently come out of a long-term relationship in high school, uh, which we were not fans of. And um, let's say Sophia Alexis and I were good friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Great friends, even. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You realize, of course, we could never be just friends. But um, anyways... Add that into the edit trend. Um, Can a man say a woman is a tractor without it being a come on? All right, all right. Let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that it was a come on. What do you want me to do about it? I take it back, okay? I take it back. You can't take it back. Why not? Because it's already out there. Oh, geez, what are we supposed to do? Call the cops, it's already out there. Just let it lie, okay? Great. Let it lie. That's my policy. That's what I always say. Let it lie. Want to spend a night in a motel? See what I did? I didn't let it lie. Harry. I said I would and then I didn't. Harry. I went the other way. Harry. What? We are just going to be friends, okay? Great, friends. It's the best thing. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. What if they don't want to have sex with you? 
Doesn't matter. Because the sex thing is already out there, so the friendship is ultimately doomed, and that is the end of the story. Well, I guess we're not going to be friends then. Guess not. That's too bad. You were the only person that I knew in New York. He told me to tell him when he wanted to. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, we were good friends, senior year, uh, or very, very good friends, senior year of high school, and then you broke up with that guy, mm-hmm. that asshole. Finally. It, it, it was a long time coming. Uh, anyways, um, um, but, uh, it became summer vacation and we were hanging out quite a bit and, um, I, I really don't even know why I wanted to watch this movie. I, because I'd never seen it. I'd never talked about it like with my parents or anything. So nobody had recommended it to me. I just like got this feeling of like, oh, I'll watch when Harry met Sally this night. And I watched it and... I went, oh, oh, <laughs> and um, I mean, I guess we can sort of bleed into what's working a little bit. Mm-hmm. The the scene where um, th- uh, they consummate the end of their friendship and into their relationship, and there's the shot of uh, where it's zooming out, where Sally is like all happy and nuzzling With up her to him, head, yeah, and then he's like stone cold like Mm -hmm. oh god what is happening and i was like wow (laughs) if that ain't the truth and um i'd had that exact experience i mean not not exact experience but that that feeling of oh dear what's happening here let's be clear he never ran away from me no no i'm I'm not (laughs) like harry i don't think um but um yeah and that happened and i texted sophia and i was like huh saw when harry met sally I think you'd like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's my 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 half of it for now. No? Yeah. And then I, I recommended it just to you. Yeah, and I subsequently watched the film. Was this, like, this was at the very end of the summer? I'd seen it more like the middle of the summer, and then you saw it. Yeah. Like, you saw it, like, about a month after I'd seen it. In the end of August, right before we were leaving for school. Yeah, for college. Yeah. Um... And so, to be clear to the viewers out there, I was trying to, listeners, whatever is your style, you know. um, Just point that out. (laughs) I was trying to court Parth for much longer before we ended up getting together. Um, Which I was unaware of, and everybody um, is so shocked to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Friend of the show... And 10 Things I Hate About You guest co-host, uh, Jordan Sikafus, once once point blank asked me if I liked Sophia in high school. And I said, no. Yeah. Whereas I feel like I always liked Parth. Oh, I guess we should also note that technically we've known each other since I was 10. Or we were yeah. 10. Yes. Um, and then uh, sort of didn't really know each other until we were 15 again. Yeah. Um, and I kind of knew you between then because... Parth famously did karate with my friends from high school. Yeah. Master and, Freeman, this one's for you. Yeah, shout out. Um, and we would call him Parth from karate every time we saw him. No, it's it's awesome every time they say it. For years we called him Parth from karate. Yep. Um, and so I watched this film and I was very touched by Parth's like connection to the film and to us because I had liked him for so long. Um, and this is beautifully romantic movie but it came somewhat at a time that was tumultuous for us because the two of us were both sort of trying out dating each other sort of 
But it was the end of the summer and we were 18 and we were both leaving for college. At different colleges. Yeah, for different colleges. And so there was a lot of uncertainty around like, are our friends going to be okay with us being together? What's going to happen when we move apart? What is this all going to kind of look like? Um, So it was very uncertain, but I feel like this movie in a way prompted Parth to tell me his feelings. Yeah, uh, this was sort of the first step to me recommending the film um, was um, a way, I guess, of me um, opening up my emotions to yeah. Sophia. Um, yeah. And, and that ending dialogue. What ending dialogue? <laughs> Crinkle above your nose and the... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that ending... Yeah, I mean, I guess we can just get into what's working about the movie. But I mean, it kind of, I mean, Sophia is a particular person and she has particular <laughs> <laughs> likes and uh, dislikes, I guess. And Many dislikes. Yeah. And I think I'm maybe less particular. Um, sure. And um, so that ending monologue, you know, really got me. I've been doing a lot of things. And the thing is, I love you. What? I love you. How do you expect me to respond to this? How about you love me too? How about I'm leaving? Doesn't what I said mean anything to you? I'm sorry, Harry. I know it's New Year's Eve. I know you're feeling lonely, but you just can't show up here, tell me you love me, and expect that to make everything all right. It doesn't work this way. Well, how does it work? I don't know, but not this way. How about this way? I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely, and it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. you Harry you say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you and I hate you Harry I really hate you this song mean? My whole life, I don't know what this song means. I mean, should old acquaintance be forgot? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot them. Well, maybe it just means that we should remember that we forgot them or something. <laughs> anyway, it's about old friends. That's sort of our connection to it. So I guess we can't 100% be objective mm-hmm. about this movie. But, um... I think, uh, like all good art, um, it, it connected in a very personal way to where I don't think I can, you know, sort between the objective and subjective, like, experience. Yeah. 
I also think that this movie is, outside of us, considered to be one of the best rom-coms ever, so I don't think it's entirely unfair for me to feel that it's one of the best rom-coms ever. I'd say it's one of the best movies ever, Um, and we should get into it. Uh, Sophia, what do you, I mean, outside of our personal, Mm -hmm. um, my fridge just started, Um, outside of our personal connections to these movies, we just had this conversation, we just Mm -hmm. finished the movie, and Sophia said that she'd seen it about five or six times, and Mm -hmm. Sophia's not exactly a movie rewatcher. No, Um, not like Trent. Yeah, Trent, this one's for you. Um, but um, you've seen this five or six times. Yep. What what What's working? What is it about this movie that keeps pulling you back? So I think that this movie, for me, does what any successful rom-com really should do, which is that the characters feel more connected to each other, and they feel actually uniquely suited to each other, rather than two general human beings who we see spend a good time together, essentially. I think that the problem in a lot of rom-coms is that people aren't really flawed enough to make them uniquely suited to each other. It feels like They share a romantic moment and that's sort of all there is. Whereas in this, we see their relationship develop over a long period of time. And we see that both of them are sort of challenging to get along with. You see that in the scene with Jess and Marie when all of them go on the double date. Yeah. That they're not for everyone, right? Like they're both particular. Harry is this sort of pessimist. Um, He's funny, but he sort of... Makes these kind of a jokes. downer. Yeah, that not everybody gets to. Whereas Sally, as we discussed, is very particular. <laughs> she can be challenging to put up with, I think. But I think that in showcasing those difficulties, you can see how well the two of them really work together and for each other. And that they're like, in that way, uniquely suited for each other. And also, something that this movie does that's sort of hard to explain, but... The two feel connected to each other more than the viewer ever feels connected with either one of them. They know each other better than we will ever know them. And that's what I think is true or should be true in a successful relationship as well as in a successful rom-com is that you want those two people to feel really connected. Like they're each other's person sort of. Not like the viewer knows all this like mischievous background stuff that one of your main characters is doing. Harry knows all that we know that that there is to know about Sally and way more than we know. And we jump into conversations at times. Like, for example, when Harry's talking about this recurring dream he's having, it's clear that they've had this conversation before and you know that they're friends for around two years. So there's a lot of conversations that we're not seeing that I think are important to know, like, this really is a successful, important, meaningful relationship in their life. Yeah, I think that note you say of... um it being seeing them together uh, and that sort of connection is really unique to this movie because I think that where and I, I like rom-coms um, they're I, I, I not even in like an ironic whatever way I mean I, I've had this experience of watching like like superhero television and I'm more interested in like the drama interpersonal connections and I'm like I don't want the villains and whatnot. So just putting that out there, that I am a rom-com fan, but a complaint that I have with a lot of them is that there, and a lot of shows too, is there's a lot of emphasis on the initial meetup Mm -hmm. or them initially getting together 
and sort of that's where you end up with the question of, well, do they last beyond the realm of the movie itself? And this is one of the few movies or pieces of media where you actually see them interact. I mean, not in a relationship like where they are dating, but in a relation like a very close friendship, we see that they're able to, you know, do things together, be together. They like talking to each other about things. They like watching stuff together. And I think that that is a very unique thing that this movie provides that I don't know if other movies don't care to or don't think to. I don't know what... I mean, I think people maybe have too much of an emphasis on the getting together and not so much on the staying together. Mm -hmm. And part of why I think this is considered like by many to be so successful is because they give that time. And so the audience believes that relationship will work. And because they believe they see that it can work when it doesn't work in the movie and they're mad at each other, it's more heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. And when they get back together, it's more, you know, um, satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I think your point of, we often end up hearing this like and they were happily ever after whatever is it's like we don't have the precedent to believe that that's going to be true sort of whereas within this movie we see very clearly that they're able to work through conflict there's a chunk of time where they they don't for a couple of months where they don't really talk to each other at all and they're able to get over that and when we see them in the very last scene of the movie they did get married and they have this relationship and even Another scene that I think of where they have conflict and get over it is he's lashing out at her there when they're at Marie and Jess's apartment after seeing Helen, his ex, and what's it called? You see him yelling at her, saying things that are pretty rude, and then immediately after apologizing and taking credit sort of for saying something that went too far, them hugging and making up. So you see that they have the ability to... Conflict resolution skills. Absolutely, yeah. Have that conflict resolution, which makes me believe more that they'll actually work out. Another thing that this sort of gets me onto, which is a more philosophical view of love... (laughs) And here we go. ...that's displayed in the movie, is I think that this movie shows an idea of love in which two characters are very uniquely suited for each other, right? When you see them have the quadruple date, Jess and Marie have this instant connection and fall in love and get married. You see that also in a lot of the stories of the interviews with people where they come in and they met when they were younger and then many years later they come back together or they were married, got divorced, and then meet back up. And I think that it speaks to an idea of love that I think that the writers definitely had, which is that love is something special between two people. You can't make it happen necessarily, but it's unique. It's not necessarily once in a lifetime, but it's definitely very rare in a lifetime. And that's something that I personally subscribe to. Because as I hinted to earlier, I think that with Parth and I, I always liked Parth more than I liked other people. I think for me, Even the previous (laughs) ex-boyfriend? Yes, even the previous ex-boyfriend. Sorry. Not sorry, I guess. Um, But I always liked him more. I always felt a connection with him. And I think that you see that with Harry and Sally, even though they obviously don't like each other enough to get together in the beginning or even to have a relationship after their drive together. But you see this instant connection between the two of them that I think is going to be prevalent in 
dating relationships and in really, really close friendships as well, that you see them interact with other people and people just don't get their sense of humor or they don't get them or they don't get along. Whereas with Harry and Sally, from the very first moment that they meet, you know that this connection is something special. Yeah, and you see them over the course of 10 years become more who they actually are, Mm -hmm. I guess. I mean, maybe it's a little rich given that we're both 21, but uh, and that's actually the age that they seem to be when they start out in the movie. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I like that in the movie you can see that like Harry is like obnoxious when he's 21, but by the time he's 31, he's actually, you know, he's, he's got his like downer point of view, but he's like a nice guy. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, and Sally for all, you know, uppity she can maybe be. She also changes a little bit over the course of those 10 years. And I like that this movie is a movie about adults and not about, kids yeah in in a way that even movies that are technically about adults they're acting like kids um because that's like interesting drama to have in a movie or whatever but i actually think it's more interesting to see you know they don't do anything that crazy when when sally's considered to be being like crazy or like off the walls all she's doing is crying because her ex-boyfriend is getting married and she's feeling upset about that. Nothing that crazy is going on um, or that hysterical or whatever. And I think that that, I don't know, it it provides a level of believability that these are actual adults. These aren't like children in adult bodies dealing with adult situations in childish ways. They're adults dealing with them as adults and not always making the right decision. But, you know, it's, I, I like that the drama feels right. I mean, I'm not 31, yeah. You know. It stays within reality. It doesn't go, I think, off the Venture rail too, too far. far. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's really unique. I mean, you know, there's no scene where one of them is like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like so many movies have that scene where yeah. like. I think that at most you see them somewhat emotionally lash out at each other when they're in sort of high stress situations. But that emotional lashing out is nothing that's so crazy or off the walls that somebody says something sort of too far to the other, a little bit rude, that sort of thing. And then they're able to come back together again. And and another thing um, that I wanted to bring up is knowing that um, a lot of Harry and Sally's relationship is actually based off of the friendship of Billy Crystal and Rob Reiner makes sense to me because... What ultimately works about this movie is that you believe that they have this real friendship Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of other romance, um, like, media Mm -hmm. sort of doesn't value showing. And so, like, for example, like, them talking together at night, that being a thing... That, that's something you do with somebody you respect, like, as a person Mm -hmm. and you actually want to listen to what they're talking about. And that's something that I think they don't teach you in like romantic media or whatever, that that is how you should engage in romantic relationships, that that is actually, you should respect them and sort of find them intellectually engaging in that way. Um, And I just find that interesting. 
Yeah, I think that it speaks to the connection between the two of them. A lot of the times in other rom-com movies, you see the main character connected with this group of friends or this one other best friend where they're going to and talking about the relationship and what's happening there. Whereas with Harry and Sally, they do have other friends they talk to about the relationship. But ultimately, the facts of the relationship are most essential sort of between the two of them. And you know that obviously they are capable of being friends. They're capable of spending a lot of time together. And they're somebody that the either the other person really feels like they can go to when they're in a stressful situation, when they're tired, when they're depressed, all these different feelings. It's like that's the person they go to. And I am personally of the belief that a relationship that starts in a friendship is often going to be a more successful relationship because you've already started those grounds for the relationship to stand on, sort of. Like, you've started the foundation there of what a romantic partnering is going to end up being. Harry, you and Marie are both from New Jersey. Really? Where are you from? South Orange. Haddonfield. Oh, So, what are we going to order? Well, I'm going to start with the grilled radicchio. Jess, Sally is a great order. Not only does she always pick the best thing on the menu, but she orders it in a way that even the, the chef didn't know how good it could be. I think restaurants have become too important. Oh, I agree. Restaurants are to people in the 80s what theater was to people in the 60s. I read that in a magazine. I wrote that. Get out of here. <laughs> no, I did. I wrote that. I've never quoted anything from a magazine in my life. That's amazing. Don't you think that's amazing? And you wrote it? I also wrote Pastos and Kishviades. Get over yourself. I did. Where did I read that? New York Magazine. Sally writes for New York Magazine. You know, that piece had a real impact on me. I mean, I, I don't know that much about writing, but... Look, it spoke to you, and that pleases me. I, I really... We really psychoanalyzed this movie, huh? Mm-hmm. Um... Do you, uh, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to ask you, Parth, what do you think is the ultimate goal of this movie and, like, sort of along with that, the goal of having the interviews throughout? Because a roommate of mine asked me the other day, are they ever going to tell us what these interviews are about? I mean, I think that the interviews are just sort of fun interludes as sort of... I mean, Oh, actually, in our interview with... Um, Aaron Barsky, he talked about how he wanted every scene in the movie to sort of stand alone, almost like its own little short film, which you can really see. And I think that, you know, the, the interviews are ultimately just sort of breaks in between these scenes. But I mean, what I think they add is that what you're talking about, that sort of connection, you know, that these two people that we're seeing have that, um, have that story. And, and again, like, I think it feels real because these are real stories. They were just re-edited and redone with actors because real people don't talk so, you know, nicely. But, like, uh, that's what I think that they add to the movie uh, is this indication that it it isn't just Harry and Sally Mm -hmm. that experience that kind of connection. That I mean, to, to quote another one of Sophia's favorite movies that we almost covered about time, love is actually everywhere around you mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and, I, I, you know, I don't know that that was necessarily the intent when putting them in the movie, but I do think that's something you come out with is that it's not that these two are 
the only people that will ever have loved the way that, because that's not really the point. I think mm-hmm. it's that these two people did have this con- or do have this connection and are able to sort of create this relationship with them, with, between each other. And you asked me another thing. What do you think that the ultimate goal of the movie is? Like, what's the big takeaway for you? The big takeaway. The big T. Um, I, I, the big goal. Um, I'll tell you what I don't think it is, which the movie kind of weirdly, some people do, is like men and women can't be friends. I don't really think that that's the point. That's just something that Harry says. Mm-hmm. And it's not something I subscribe to. Um, it's heteronormative. Oof. Sophia with the psych knowledge. Um, the goal of the movie, I guess, is to just, you know, friendship important in relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I think it's just to see these two people fall in love and grow and change, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I've said this to Parth before and it's sort of hard to explain, but my favorite kind of movie is movies in which humans exist. And I like to see sort of like the daily goings on of people. I think that giving importance to somewhat mundane things like the relationship we see here, a lot of the activities that they're doing, like picking up a present for their friend's housewarming, getting a Christmas tree, reading in bed, watching a movie, all these sorts of things are these sort of mundane activities. But I think being able to find what's really special and beautiful and important in that. And I think that in this film, what is special and beautiful and important is the relationship, whether they're dating or if, even if they ended up just friends, I think that relationship would still be special. I think they have something unique. Um, but I think that sort of romanticizing that lack of uniqueness almost, like the everyday of it, is what I really enjoy. And that's sort of gets me into this idea of the connection with the theme in terms of those short interviews is I feel like because you see Harry and Sally telling this long journey that we just went on with them in this sort of short back and forth interview where they end up talking more about their cake and their wedding than anything else that we just heard sort of speaks to the idea that all of the rest of the couples that we just saw have this long and beautiful and twisted and complicated story that we're not hearing that's sort of how it feels to me in the very end because it feels like these two people that we're so well acquainted with are now being placed in the same setting as these couples that we just got very short snippets of their life and I like the idea of like every journey every relationship every person has this sort of longer story behind them that we're not entirely yeah that we're not privy to and that's like unique and really personal and special yeah and and um something i just realized is um one of the the you talking about people existing i think something that i'm not a fan of is like the big moments in Mm -hmm. romance movies because i think those become romanticized as like that's what's that's an indication of like a healthy relationship is Mm -hmm. they do these grand gestures and and in this movie, you see that that's not the basis of their relationship is not these huge proclamations of love. It's it's them enjoying each other's time, enjoying the same things, talking with each other, 
hang out with the same friends, you know, and, and sort of that they have a healthy life outside of each other. Um, and when you do get that proclamation of love, it it's not even that that much. I mean, you've seen them together, so it's not sort of out of nowhere. It's not like he's proposing to her out of nowhere or something. Uh, but that makes that f- proclamation feel more real because it isn't as um, big or, yeah. you know, whatever. Or, and you know that they love each other even before he says it in that way. You know that yeah. they care about each other. I mean, even you watch them date other people. And I feel that both of them are really genuinely invested in the other's healing process as they exit these relationships and journey as they start to date other people, wanting them to be sort of in a good position. I think that you see that from both Harry and Sally, which is somewhat unique. I think that in a lot of movies, you see men being possessive. And I do feel like Harry, for all of his annoying things about him, is a good example of a healthy... Positive masculinity. Yeah, healthy masculinity that's non-possessive. Um is he really wants her to succeed wherever she goes. And I think that that's an indication of love. I think that both of them being willing to drop everything and run over in a moment's notice or pick up the phone for each other when they're in these challenging moments is showing that love. The proclamation at the end is just what ended up leading them to get together. And then again, when they're telling their story in the end, they're not talking about that big proclamation. Um, they're talking about the 12 the years cake. that they knew each other and the yeah. cake at the wedding and the yeah. beautiful ceremony and the fact that they were only engaged for three months. Yeah. The first time we met, we hated each other. No, you didn't hate me. I hated you. The second time we met, you didn't even remember me. I did too. I remembered you. The third time we met, we became friends. We were friends for a long time. And then we weren't. And then we fell in love. Three months later, we got married. Yeah, it only took three months. Twelve years and three months. We had this we had a really wonderful wedding. It was, it really was a It was great. Wedding. We had this enormous uh, coconut cake. A huge coconut cake with the, with the tears, and there was this, was this very rich chocolate sauce on the side. Right, because not everybody likes it on the cake because it makes it very soggy. It's particularly the coconut soaks up a lot of that stuff, so you really, it's important to keep it on the side. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I also don't want to, I mean, we're really getting into, like, the analysis of romance media and all that stuff. I mean, another reason we like the movie is also, it's fun, it's funny, yeah. it's, you know, written really well. Yeah. I feel like, especially after listening to your interview, if you view it from the perspective of every scene is important and essential... And, like, stands on its own. It's like, you watch the movie, and I feel like there's nothing you could take out of it. No, and uh, as Trent Alguer, usual co-host of the Craft Services podcast, likes to say, it's a tight 90, um, Mm -hmm. in and out. I mean, when we reached the point where she was crying about her Mm ex-boyfriend getting engaged, I went, what? And looked at how much time was left, and I realized that there was only about, like, 23 minutes left in the movie. I mean, it really goes by. I don't, I don't know anything you could take out or condense or anything. Mm -hmm. It's, it's like one of those few perfectly paced movies where, uh, we'd actually talked about this while listening to Trenton Jordan's review or discussion of 10 Things I Hate About You, where that movie is also about 90 minutes, but it feels 
like it's 90 minutes. Like it yeah. feels very quick and it's meant to be that way. Whereas this is 90 minutes, but you feel like you've traversed this like crazy amount of time, which you yeah. have, but not all, I mean, movies that are two yeah. hours sometimes don't feel like you've traversed yeah. that much. Yeah, I mean, you really get the feeling of those 12 years and three months within the 90 minutes. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I, I just think the casting is really good. Mm-hmm. I, I, they, I mean, look, Billy Crystal and m- more exceptionally Meg Ryan are good-looking Hollywood yeah. people, but they feel like real, you know, they don't... Yeah. This isn't Tom Cruise and, yeah. I don't know, Megan Fox, Megan Fox or whatever. Um, Meg Ryan is so cute. <laughs> yes, she is. As, and Sophia likes her uh, bedhead curls. Yeah, I love her with the curly hair. I think she's so cute. Which she ends up abandoning in all of her later movies. She always gets this like short pixie cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but curly haired representation is always good for Parth, who <laughs> has an ongoing struggle with curly hair. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, a score. The 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 music... Yeah. Is also very good. I like that the songs that they play aren't, they don't just feel like they were arbitrarily chosen mm-hmm. in post. The themes in that, um, dun, 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 mm-hmm. dun, dun, like that place throughout the movie, yeah. you know, so it all feels really cohesive, um, all together, yeah. you know, and all good songs. Yeah. Good music. Good people. Um, I like their friends too. Jess is Jess funny. Is funny. Um, I'll kiss you. Um, really good. Um, any, are there any scenes you would like Trent to insert here? I don't know. (laughs) Um, Trent, uh, insert something you like. Just, yeah. Your favorite. When did this happen? Friday. Helen comes home from work and she says, I don't know if I want to be married anymore. Like it's the institution. You know, like it's nothing personal, just something she's been thinking about in a casual way. I'm calm. I say, why don't we take some time to think about it? You know, don't rush into anything. Yeah, right. Next day, she says she's thought about it. And she wants a trial separation. She just wants to try it, she says. But we can still date. Like this is supposed to cushion the blow. I mean, I got married so I could stop dating. So I don't see where we can still date as any big incentive since the last thing you want to do is date your wife who's supposed to love you. Which is what I'm saying to her when it occurs to me that maybe she doesn't. So I say to her, don't you love me anymore? You know what she says? I don't know if I've ever loved you. Ooh, that's hard. You don't bounce back from that right away. Thanks, Jess. No, I'm a writer. I know dialogue. And that's particularly harsh. Then she tells me that somebody in her office is going to South America and she can sublet his apartment. I can't believe this. And the doorbell rings. I can sublet his apartment. The words are still hanging in the air, you know, like in a balloon attached to a mouth. Like with a it. cartoon. Right. So I go to the door and there are moving men there. Now I start to get suspicious. I say, Helen, when did you call these movers? And she doesn't say anything. So I ask the movers, when did this woman book you for this gig? And they're just standing there, three huge guys, one of them wearing a T-shirt that says, don't fuck with Mr. Zero. So I said, Helen, when did you make this arrangement? She says, a week ago. I said, you've known for a week and you didn't tell me? And she says, I didn't want to ruin your birthday. 
You're saying Mr. Zero knew you were getting a divorce a week before you did? Mr. Zero, no. I can't believe this. I haven't told you the bad part yet. What could be worse than Mr. Zero, though? It's all a lie. She's in love with somebody else. Some tax attorney. She moved in with him. How did you find out? I followed her. I stood outside the building. So humiliating. Tell me about it. And you know I knew? I knew the whole time that even though we were happy, it was just an illusion. And that one day she would kick the shit out of me. Marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's just a symptom that something else is wrong. Really? Well, that symptom is fucking my wife. Um, one thing that I'll say before we transition out of talking about what works and what didn't work is that I feel the not most recent time that I watched this movie, because Parth and I just watched this a couple of minutes ago, actually, um, but I watched it a week ago with my roommates, and in watching it, Right when Parth and I were first getting together, so right before we actually were officially dating at the very least, versus a few years later, it is a different perspective, I feel like, now looking back to some extent, because I feel like I really connected with the idea of us having this really long friendship and at the end of it sort of just like barely seeing the beginnings of a relationship versus now when it's been three years of us dating and we've been dating for longer than we were really even close friends. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of interesting to look back and think about how I felt really positive towards the movie then. And even now I feel like it really, to me still stands out as something that feels important and true and honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. It's a good movie and everybody should go see it uh, uh, for a little to hijack Eye of the Ducks segments. Sorry, Adam. Um, parts Blu-ray corner. The Shout Factory Blu-ray for this is really good. The transfer mm-hmm. is very nice and there's some fun special features on it. Um, but enough of that. Uh, uh, d- are you feeling the heat right now? It is getting kind of a little hot in here. And- oh my. What is that sound? I don't know. My, my skin! Ah! It's burning! Ah! We have entered the ratings gauntlet. It's scary in here. It's warm in here. Uh, burning, some would say. Uh, fire, fire burning on the dance floor. Copyright strike. Aha. Um, <laughs> Sophia, mm-hmm. would you recommend this movie? Would you rewatch this movie? And what would you rate this movie out of 10? Um, I would absolutely recommend this movie. I have rewatched this movie, I think, five times. I would happily do it again. I watched it. There was less than a week between the two times that I watched it most recently, and it was an enjoyable watch both times. And I give this movie a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I I did. I mean, I, I have recommended this to actually the guest co-host of this episode um, and to countless others. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, I would say, and a movie that only grows more close to my heart. Um, and so I'd recommend it. I've rewatched it. I think if I were to count it, from memory, it's like seven times, but 
you know, there could be more, and I'm sure there will be more. And it's a 10 out of 10. Uh, uh, it's added to the roster, and I, I would only assume that Trent also gives this a 10 out of 10. Trent, let us know if we got it right. Um, but yeah, wow. Uh, this this movie is a tight 90, and this episode is like a tight 45 minutes right now. Yeah. Um, I guess there's nothing much else to do except to say thanks for listening. Yeah. Finally got a good review out of me. Yes. Um, Sophia, thank you for coming on and um, for talking about this um, obscure indie film. <laughs> this underground. Hit. Yeah. Sleeper hit. Um, yeah. Sophia, finally happy <laughs> on the show. <laughs> and um, in general. Yeah, finally happy. Well, all right. Um Listeners, thank you so much for listening. You can listen to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are there. And Sophia, on these platforms, if they're able to give a review slash a rating, what should they do? Should they leave that alone or? No, I think they should definitely utilize the feature. And I, having heard this interview or this conversation, I think this definitely deserves a five out of five or like. Wow. Yo, yo. Um, yeah. What she said, I'll have what she's having. And that is a five star rating. Um, I guess that implies that I give you five stars as a girlfriend. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Any time. So yes, um, do all the things that she said. And um, I would give away what we're listening to what you'd be listening to next week. But that interview has not happened yet. So I don't want to jinx it. Um, But let's just say, if we've played our cards right, um, we'll be punching above our weight. Dun dun dun. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, Thanks for listening. Make sure to listen to us next week on our undisclosed as of yet episode because we haven't done the interview. Um, And thank you very much for listening, guys. This is Parth Marate signing off. And Sophia, any final words? Thanks for having me, Parth. It was a very romantic time all around. The most romantic time of the year. Okay. I have decided that for the rest of the day, we are going to talk like this. Like this? No. Please, to repeat after me. Pepper. 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 <laughs> Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. <laughs> Waiter, there, there is, is too, too much, much pepper, pepper on my paprikash. On my paprikash. But I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> oh, no. But I would but, be proud. But I would be proud. To partake. To partake. Of your pecan of your pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. <laughs> Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Would you like to go? Wait, wait. Not to repeat, please, to answer. Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Oh. Oh. Well, I'd love to, Harry, but I, I can't. Why do you have a hot date? Well, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I was going to tell you about it, but I don't know. I just... Felt strange about it. Why? Well, because we've been spending so much time together. Oh, I think it's great that you have a date. You do? Yeah.